Hi everyone, welcome to Step Zero. Today, I would like to introduce you to our next guest, Nicole Packett from Canada. I'm very excited to have Nicole on board because there's quite a couple of topics that, that she brings a lot of expertise in, uh, being change management and people strategy from the past 20 years of, of various experience. She's got a lovely personal story and, and she's a lovely person herself. You guys will all uh, know during the conversation. So I cannot wait to uh, introduce her to you. And I always say this in the podcast, that as much as I try, I can never introduce our guests the best possible way that they actually deserve that. So Nicola, if you don't mind, I would love it if you could make an introduction to yourself so that our audience can get to know you and maybe share a little bit about your story of what brought you to us today, joining Step Zero and changing the, the way mental health is being viewed uh, and perceived in the modern workplace. Thank you, Dora. Um, first of all, I'm so happy to be here and I'm really pleased that uh, uh, you have taken on this project and this, uh, these conversations. Um, we don't have enough of them and uh, I think now more than ever, we really need to have more conversations like this. So, so my story is full of ups and downs, I would say. I think uh, most of us, if we're being really honest, have had a lot of ups and downs in our career. Um, so I started as a change management consultant in the late 90s with a large global management consultant uh, firm. And uh, I loved it. I learned so much and I was thrilled to be a part of that organization. Um, I, I was working in uh, Vancouver on the West Coast. Um, loved it. It was beautiful. And uh, I lived there and I had my first two children while I was uh, working with that firm. And uh, so I guess that's really where, um, you know, things became very obvious to me that, uh, you know, maybe it was kind of the first turning point for me and where I saw the importance of uh, leadership and uh, how we need to really have connected conversations and encourage people to bring their whole selves to work. So at that time, um, working in a firm like that, and there are a few of them in many industries, uh, it was really a sink or swim mentality. And um, ironically, at that time, um, the organization was going through, I would say it's like an internal uh, kind of branding, internal um, uh, initiative, and they called it uh, the best place to work for women. And so they understood the importance of uh, tapping into 50% of the workforce. Uh, but really, this is a perfect example of how uh, when we state our values and where you know, an initiative or a change comes about that leaders' behaviors need to perfectly align to whatever the company is stating. So I'll, um, you know, my, my story with this firm ended in this way. Um, I went back to work after I had my second child uh, and uh, Audrey was about five months old at the time. So I had a two-year-old and a five-month-old. Um, in Canada, we have, were allowed to take up to a year uh, for our maternity leave. Um, I decided to go back to work a little early. Uh, in hindsight now, and I didn't know it at the time, but um, now it's very clear to me, I would say I definitely was going through postpartum uh, depression. Um, I really was having a, a tough time um, adjusting. And so I went back to work part-time um, and in the hopes that I could uh, work locally and contribute and um, but that just wasn't in the cards at that time 
And so um, I was getting a lot of pressure to start traveling to um, a project in California. And it was one of the largest um, uh, really projects that the, the company was going through. It was a, a wonderful opportunity for my career. And um, I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. I got a call um, from the global partner who was responsible for this project uh, in the industry. And uh, she talked to me about, uh, you know, how important this was for my career. And I thought um, I was going to have a, a real connected conversation with her. She um, had two children at the time, very successful. I had a lot of respect for her. And the way that conversation ended was, you know what, Nicole, um, you, you, you really have to do this. And as far as your baby is concerned, um, I started traveling when my baby was one month old and I got used to it. And so you'll just get used to it. And that's just the way it's going to have to be. And I hung up the phone and I called my husband at the time and I said, uh, you know what, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, but I have to leave this organization. And that was the first real clash in, um, values that I had experienced in my career. I was uh, in my early 30s and, um, and still, you know, so focused on my career and I really wanted this and I had visions of, you know, making partner in a big firm and doing it all, right? Um, so it was really tough on me and it was, um, it was tough on our family. Um, and so, you know, we decided we made some changes and uh, I moved back to the East Coast of Canada and that's where I am today. And I, you know, I was working for another firm and doing similar work that's always remained constant uh, over the last 20 years. I've always worked in uh, change management uh, for the most part and I now have four children. And uh, so there have been a lot of um, transitions and I've, I've made changes along the way to try to uh, really adjust and be more present uh, for my children because there were many times um, over the last well, 17 years since I've had children uh, that I have not been present. And uh, so I, I made some adjustments, tried to look at things differently at work, um, and I, uh, I, I made the decision to leave consulting and I worked for a local uh, large organization and I thought, this is what's best. And how that turned out was um, I was actually being underutilized. And um, it was very hierarchical. And they also had a, a stated set of values. Um, and it was related to people and the importance of, you know, collaboration and teamwork and everybody contributes. Uh, and my experience um, was that those behaviors in you know, management was, they weren't there. And, um, you know, really, I, I was working for somebody who, in hindsight, again, hindsight, we always learn so much about ourselves and others, and we see things differently, um, if we're lucky. And, uh, but uh, she was very over-functioning. And so when, when there was stress coming into, you know, kind of from her perspective, in a highly male-dominated organization, uh, she reacted in a way that was very um, like borderline toxic and and it took a toll on everybody on the team, including me um, and without that voice and without being fully utilized for the experience that I had had 
I found that actually more stressful than being asked to do too much almost. And so I think it was um, such a great lesson. And uh, I got physically sick and I, I, I had the flu and I had pneumonia. And, uh, you know, I again was forced to make a very um, kind of a turning point decision. And I took some time off work. Um, I tried to go back part time and do some things on my own. And that just wasn't um, that wasn't going to work uh, for that type of organization. So I ended up going back to consulting, which is my first work love. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to work with uh, amazing leaders who you know, appreciated and allowed me to use my voice. And uh, so it's been quite a journey over the last two years in particular of um, really understanding and settling into, you know, what is it that can, that I am, you know, inspired to bring to the table and, uh, and how might I bring that into change management, change leadership. And, uh, and so here we are. Wow. I'm a little speechless, I have to say, because hearing your story um, and you being strong enough and at the same time vulnerable enough to actually share your story is, is something that we all need to appreciate because we all know how hard it is to go through those things that, that you have experienced as well yourself, being, having to make a decision um, for the future when you don't know where things are going to be. I think it's one of the hardest things that, that you can do. But I think you're, you're one of the greatest examples for all of us out there, for, for women in leadership positions as well, how important it is to know exactly what's relevant to you. And you mentioned one thing that, that really spoke to me is, is clash of values. And, and, and I think that's something that we all need to reflect on. You know, no matter where you are, everyone kind of wants to achieve something. They have their own goals or personal things. But oftentimes we, we just reflect on what we feel is expected in the world, who we need to be or who we should be, you know, becoming a partner, becoming a senior level executive. And, and at the same time, you know, why we're striving to be that person, we kind of forget the actual values, those intrinsic values that we actually have inside of us that drive us to also as an individual and as a person. You talk a lot about, um, vulnerability you touched on over functioners over functionings or toxic relationships but what i draw as a conclusion one of the bigger ones from from what you shared right now is how connected leadership how connection and real conversations are so relevant when building a, a great organization and be, and also building a healthy organization for the people that you're you're working with Whenever it comes to that, you need to know the person. You need to know what that individual is looking for. So you as an expert in, in that topic, how would you address that from an organizational perspective when they're looking to improve the way they handle change, their, their leadership? Um, but they need to look at the individual where the change actually starts because at the end of the day, it's, it all comes down to that person that you're creating that environment for. What's your view on that? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say my view has changed significantly over the years, um, and I've had the opportunity to work on many, many transformational projects as a change management practitioner, and I've also had the opportunity to look at kind of more holistically what's a human capital management strategy, so what does that work experience look like, um, and the consistent piece that I think we don't put enough emphasis on is the leader's um, 
capacity and capability to connect uh, at a human level. And, you know, there's a lot of talk out there uh, about why that's important. And, um, you know, when I speak to potential clients about it, it's, it's much bigger than making people feel good. And so, you know, there are strategies out there, organizations, leadership teams tend to spend a lot of money on expensive consulting firms to come up with a very well laid out, um, well presented strategy. And the piece that is so often missing is, uh, okay, so what do we need from our people and our workforce in order to be able to execute on that? And uh, more often than not, um, you know, it comes down to, well, what's our capacity and what is our capability as though they are kind of things that you can check off. Mm -hmm. um, the other piece that um, I think we don't talk enough about is, you know, in change management, it's uh, one of the, well, the number one reason why changes fail. And you can see this in every single methodology, every person who works in change management at all. Um, the key is visible and active sponsorship. And so, you know, we as change practitioners spend a lot of time trying to say what are the key messages and you need to be out doing this and doing that. Uh, but the real connective tissue and where change really happens is when people feel that they've been seen and they've been heard. And that cannot happen without connection. And connection cannot happen without showing vulnerability. And so when we kind of peel back the layers, what we really need from our leaders is that, you know, we drop the armor and we drop the persona. I've talked to many people personally and professionally, and um, I'm always shocked a little bit uh, with the way people present themselves at work as opposed to how they present themselves at home. And some people are very intentional. And I, I did this too, especially, you know, as a young person coming into a big consulting firm, uh, you know, how do I dress? How do I look? Uh, how do I speak? Um, you know, when I was, when I was in, uh, in early in my career, there was kind of a, a standing joke because we all looked the same. Uh, they would call us androids because we all looked the same and we all acted the same, but we were like a commodity. And so that was the expectation. If a client is going to pay X number of dollars, then, you know, we're like plug and play. And so, um, and that's one example, but I think many of us um, take on a persona based on accomplishment and certifications and education and what I can do, you know, better than somebody else. It, it becomes a, a society of competition. And we start this, by the way, um, early in how we raise our children and how we uh, teach our children and all of the activities that we put our children in. And, you know, parents will joke about the fact that they've, you know, their kids are busy and they're overscheduled and it's almost like a badge of honor um, how busy this family is as opposed to this family. And I'm, I'm a bit of an odd duck when it comes to that because my children do, they, they do things, 
Um, but we also spend a lot of time together and we, you know, I mean, it's not perfect by any stretch and I'm much more present now, but I really feel like we're, we are actually grooming our children in the wrong way as a society. And so we focus on competition. We focus on, you know, people need to sit still and listen to those in a position of authority regardless of whether we agree with them or not, right? And so um, children become, they, they start to take on that persona even as young people. And we encourage that and we discourage um, speaking openly about our vulnerabilities. Uh, weakness is really looked down upon. And so it's really no surprise that we are where we are and uh, we find at work that um, there's a real inability for leaders to connect. Um, I've been asked in different scenarios to come in and work on uh, team building. And I think there's this concept that, you know, if you play a few games together, that all of a sudden you're going to be, a, you know, a functioning team. But actually, what creates a, a solid team is the ability for people to work through a problem, a scenario, a project, uh, and um, kind of get messy with it and, and be able to speak their own truth as they work through that. And so all of that does start with kind of a leader and the leadership team, and they need to be able to practice those behaviors of being vulnerable uh, even with each other before they can go and expect to lead um, a team of uh, their, their peers or you know, people who are on their team through any kind of significant change. And um, we are very ill-equipped to do that. And that's where the conversation, um, I feel very strongly, needs to change. So it's not as simple as saying you need to be a visible and active sponsor. It's about you need to sit and connect in a way that um, will allow others to feel seen and heard. Uh, because what's happening today is that we don't have the capacity for change. We are all so busy trying to hide our own uh, vulnerability, hide the things that we feel shame about, and at the same time, because we feel all of that, we spend even more time looking at others' weaknesses and bringing ourselves up a level. And so you think of all of that mind share that's going to comparison and making myself feel a little bit stronger, but really it's a very wobbly foundation. Um, there is no way we can expect people to be resilient, to uh, be able to work through adversity and to be able to um, think in an innovative way uh, about really the problems that uh, many organizations are facing in their growth plans. Wow, I don't, I don't even know where to start with the questions because the way you talk about this, it really just shows how everything is interconnected and how it is so needed that people, leaders, they find a way 
to be themselves at work. It's, 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 it's enough now of trying to be someone else that we're, we're not. We all want to get better. And that has nothing to do with self-improvement or wanting to excel at the things that you do. But really just being able to dig deep and, and find out who you really are and open up about that and, sh and, and lead by example, which often sounds much easier, right, than, than it's done because I think working on yourself is, is probably going to be one of the hardest projects you're ever going ever gonna to do. Um, but what, when you talk about that, you, you have to be able to work on yourself first. Um, that goes for leaders and for the individuals as well. So I have two questions uh, to that. How, how do you motivate or how do you help or nudge leaders in a gentle way to the direction of realizing the need to be themselves and giving them tools to really work on that, to manage their own vulnerability, open up so that they're able to have those connected conversations. And my second question is gonna be, which I can refer to later, is more from an organizational perspective where their responsibility comes in to provide the tools or notify when these things, or notice when these things are not there and, and figure out how they can actually be improved on so that connected conversations are actually possible throughout the whole world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I often don't go into clients and start talking about uh, vulnerability and connection right away. Um, typically, clients hire uh, hire me or hire you know people in my position to manage a change, um, and so it's it's a process of working through you know what is it that we need to do as a leadership team and get aligned on in order to be clear in your communication. So often it's an, it's a, it's an evolution of these conversations. And so I start with uh, the strategy. And again, often, you know, I would be asked to come in and uh, do kind of the change management work on a given project, but the failing to that is that, you know, we look at that in a silo and we don't connect that to anything. And so people, people need to know the why behind any change. That's kind of the, the first piece, but they won't be able to do anything differently if they don't feel connected to it. Um, and that's where the people side of it comes in. And so the work that, um, that I do is really to focus on what does your strategy say and not just your strategy, but um, what's your mission, vision, and values? And it goes back to what I was saying before, the stated values need to be reflected in everyday behavior. And so that's where the conversation starts um, with most leaders in, in that moment. And so the work there is making sure that we define what those behaviors look like and what those behaviors actually look like is connected leadership. And so if, for example, um, there are many organizations out there that say things like our people come first, um, we are all about collaboration. I see innovation a lot and very little work is being done in most organizations to truly define what does that mean and what are the behaviors that are going to drive innovation. 
because um, I'll tell you, innovation doesn't happen in an organization that is top down, where people don't feel free to speak uh, their voice and they don't feel free to ask questions. Um, that's similar as well, which is kind of ironic in um, organizations where uh, safety comes first. So in, uh, you know, kind of whether it's a, a nuclear plant or a, um, an oil refinery, whatever it is where safety is very important, um, you know, we think of procedure, but actually what we need to do there is also connect. In a highly operational environment, we also need to be able to connect with people so that our folks who are on the front line can speak up. And, you know, even in the kind of military environments where people's lives are on the line. And so this type of uh, connected leadership is absolutely required, no matter what your stated values and really your corporate culture are. Um, there is no way that any organization will be able to live up to its values and drive the culture that is really going to drive the strategy because that's culture is really a set of behaviors and the set of behaviors needs to be modeled by the leaders and it can only be um, modeled by the leaders if they're being real. And so that's why I speak a lot about getting real um, uh, being vulnerable, uh, it's not, it's it's not to make people feel good. Although people need to feel, it kind of is because people need to feel good about what they're doing and why they're doing it, in order to be able to step up and uh, excel at what they're doing. No change will happen when um, people are broken in the way that so many of us are broken today. Wow. <laughs> Again, I'm lost at words and, and that doesn't happen often that a lot of people will, will know who know me <laughs> that talking is the thing. Um, I, I am really, really connected to the things that you're saying. Um, we recently looked into quite some research um, when it comes to uh, corporate cultures and how it's connected to mental well-being. And it says exactly that in different words, of course, but it refers to how those values actually have to be actionable. It's something that has to be lived and, and how directly they're actually connected, as you said, to the mental well-being or overall well-being of, of, of employees. And the moment you, you feel part of a certain culture, you feel that it's part of you as well, you can represent the same values, you're going to be able to operate better. As you mentioned, you're going to be heard. You're going to be seen because you can actually speak up. You, you can you know, pull people into conversations that matter to you. And that at the end of the day is really going to start that innovative approach that a lot of the companies are looking for, right? Innovation is a big buzzword too. Um, but a lot of companies really mean it and they really need it. And, and, and the examples that you showcase from the different industries, it really shows that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you are, what do you um, want to do or what, what type of area you're, you're operating in, it is gonna come down to that specific connection and connected leadership because without that, you won't actually be able to make the change that you're, you're striving to do. Um, 
Nicole, we're slowly, unfortunately, I don't know how the time flew away, um, are, are coming to the end of the podcast. And, and I kind of want to take this uh, a little bit, again, back to the, to the personal side of things, because with everything happening right now, there's so much change going on in the world. You know, people want to be overproductive because they feel that they have to. People don't know how to manage the change that they're actually going through right now. That's affecting all of us right now. Do you have any recommendations? And, and, and I really want to touch up on that because I, I know this is one of the topics that you're also passionate about. What do you say to people who are struggling a little bit to actually be in the moment and stop the business for a second? Because this is a big issue. And how do you communicate that within your organizations if you're being affected by this over uh, productivity pandemic? Actually, we can even um, uh, name that or label that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think, you know, the past, for us anyway, in Canada or my part of the world in, on the East Coast of Canada, we've been experiencing uh, the restrictions of COVID for about eight weeks. And uh, so all of a sudden, we've forced our lives to be one. And so if we go back to, you know, what I was saying, how so many of us work very hard to separate our personas, our work persona and our home persona. And um, what I find so beautiful about this experience is that, you know, it's okay. Everything is okay. It's okay that your dog is barking. It's okay that your kids are you know, asking you questions and you might not be looking at the screen on your video conference um, in that moment. Um, But everything that I'm reading or most of the things that I'm reading uh, on, you know, uh, business and how do we cope, most of the focus is still on the economic recovery, which, uh, you know, we, we absolutely need that. But we're missing the piece that, again, people need to be well enough to be able to be productive. And so many are not, or they're not today, and maybe they will be tomorrow. That's what's so interesting about this. We're seeing everything in a very short period of time. And so, you know, now more than ever, this is a huge opportunity for us to practice connected conversations. And, you know, I was speaking with someone yesterday and she made the observation that it's actually more intimate in some ways, these uh, Zoom calls or Teams calls or whatever it is, because we're forced into close contact in a way, whereas you know, if you put that same meeting in a big boardroom where there's a big table, which creates a barrier, more armor, we have our makeup on, we have our everything just right. So we work very hard at creating that uh, disconnect. Uh, But now we have a huge opportunity to leverage that increased connectiveness um, and take it a step further. And especially on Mondays, I find, (laughs) I did a post and it was about COVID Mondays, but truly 
it's it, it is um, it's been real for a lot of people, and we're going through this change without knowing what's happening. Um, so now more than ever, um, it's it's not the leader's job to state as it would be in any other change program. Here's the vision, and here's uh, exactly the path, right? Because that's what we would say as change management professionals. We would say create the vision. Uh, create the roadmap, you know, make sure people understand where they're going. We don't have that luxury. We didn't have it coming into this and we certainly don't have it coming out of it. And so we're, we've got change upon change upon change. And so the piece that we do have and that we must use is our ability to connect and it feels uncomfortable. Um, but now more than ever, take the first 15 minutes or if it's the whole hour um, with a, you know, a connected conversation and pause because what we tend to do, and this is, I, I don't know if it, if it is the way society is in Germany, but certainly in Canada, we're very friendly. But we're, what, what that means is, especially on the East Coast, we say, hi, how are you? But we don't really want to know. <laughs> and if you say too much, then it kind of creates a disconnect. But we need to lean in and we need to connect and we need to wait for the answer. And we need to be okay that it, they might not be okay today. And if they're not okay today, that's okay. And the only way they're going to be okay tomorrow to be able to be productive, to be able to contribute, to be able to be on this path to economic recovery is if we take the time to let them work through this process and let ourselves work through the process. It starts with ourselves. I've woken up some mornings and I'm like, I'm not okay. And I need to be okay with that and be safe in saying that. Um, so again, it all goes back to really the same themes. Um, and my hope is that uh, we practice this now and that we keep it and we hold on to it and we see how this allows people to work through change, to build resilience and to become more productive in a way that, you know, we, we all want to be productive. And so that drives our own motivation as well. I guess that's how we are going to be ending our podcast on, on the best possible notes. Um, Nicole, I cannot thank you enough for, for sharing your, your story and, and your feedback. I think the topics that you touched on is exactly what we need to hear today. And not just because of what we're going through in the world today all together as, as a community, but also because no matter the virus or whatever it is, change is present. Change is something that's constantly going to happen. And in those changes, you're going to find yourself being okay. And sometimes you're going to find yourself not being okay. And what we're saying here is that's okay. It's okay to speak up about it. It's okay to be yourself. It's okay to have those connected conversations at work with your colleagues and with your leaders. And what is more than okay is being yourself and choosing yourself no matter what life throws at you. Nicole, thank you so much for this really insightful and, and for me personally, very touching conversation. I am extremely grateful for that. 
Um, I think you're definitely someone that uh, I'm going to come back for to for questions and, and some mentoring opportunities, hopefully. Um, thank you uh, so much for sharing your, your feedback and thoughts. And before we end our podcast or steps to your family, it's also important that you know that whatever we talked about today um, is representing Nicole's own and personal opinion that the organizations that she's representing, and we're extremely grateful. To have heard what you had to say and I hope you're going to keep sharing your wisdom, your experience and your thoughts because I think that um, really sparks the conversation that we all need to have right now and most importantly it is the first step towards connected conversations and connected leadership. So thank you guys for tuning in. I am really grateful for this episode and I hope you are too. I look forward to the next ones. Please keep coming in, tuning in and Nicole I wish you a wonderful day and keep making the difference that you already do. Thank you. Thank you.